Hi, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. I've been wanting to share this with you for a long time. It's it's a scriptures that the Lord gave me when I was standing in the gap for somebody. And um, it, it, it's the scripture that helped keep me uh, going when times got tough in believing God for their souls. And so I just want to share this with you. It's in John chapter 11. And if you know the Bible at all, you probably know this chapter about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so we're just going to mosey through John chapter 11 uh, verses and, and point some things out because God really kept me strong in my stand uh, for this person. And they are now in heaven. And so we're happy about that. And I, I know you will be happy for your loved ones to get there. And that's what we're all about is praying for our households, uh, learning to to be an intercessor and stand in the gap with the Lord. And um, so uh, today we're going to look at John chapter 11. I've got so many things that I would like to, to address, but this I'm going to focus on John chapter 11 because it's such a powerful, powerful chapter. And it's uh, about Jesus. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This is John chapter 11, verses 2 now. It was that Mary, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet and her, with, her, and her, and with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this is a real important verse here. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that through that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And I'm one that likes to do research on words, and I like to get a full understanding when I'm reading something. And so in a little research on the words, just the word unto, uh, this might be... Um, this is this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And the unto means to the advantage of. Um, it's not to the advantage of death. And I just want us to stop and think about that. Here's Jesus. He's several days away from where Lazarus lives. And he gets the word that his friend that he loves dearly is sick. And uh, his first comment, and, and when something comes to you, some bad news comes to you, what we say right off is real important. Jesus set the course for what was going to happen here with these first words that came out of his mouth. This sickness is not unto death. It's not going to be to the advantage of the devil. Satan's going to get no glory out of this. And he, he just drew a line in the sand right there. And he really had to stand firm on it because it didn't look like it was working when he got there. So um, he, when he heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for, the word for there means to be over and beyond, for the sake of, in behalf of, exceedingly abundantly. We, uh, it's translated sometimes exceeding abundantly. So in other words, he's saying not only is it not going to be to the advantage of death, it's going to be exceeding abundantly to the glory of God. And here it is written in the, the eternal life book, the Bible, for centuries and eons, that Lazarus, the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So Jesus' first comment when he got the news was, this sickness will not be to the advantage of the devil, but it will bring glory, superabundant glory to God, 
that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Then Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard, this is interesting too, it says how much he loved them, and then he stayed there two more days. So you're like, well, if you love me that much, why don't you get going? Why don't you get here? You know, when we, when we get over there to Martha, she's going to say, Lord, if you had been here. And so, um, but he, because he loved them, he did not go right away. And he said, uh, when he heard, therefore, that he, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So he hung around two more days. Now, let me tell you what he's doing here. He's waiting on the Holy Ghost to counsel, to guide him and tell him what to do, when to go. He refused to get over into his mind, his will, his emotions. He refused. Now, you know, if they were that good of friends and he loved him that much, it would have been easy to get into his emotional realm, which would have been in his soul. And when we get into the soulishness of things, the mind, the will, and the emotions, that's where the devil can get in, involved. That's where the devil can bring de deceiving ideas and, and deceptive words. And so we want to stay in our spirit. I have had an experience um, years ago in this person I was standing in the gap for and believing God for, and they called me on a Friday night and said, um, I, I, I'm, they, they could not move. They were, uh, they had alcoholic problems and, and they, they could not move. They had some serious uh, physical problems happening now and they could not move and they wanted me to come and they lived in another town. And I was a young mother and I had three young kids and I couldn't just drop everything and go. And it was an hour and a half uh, away and it's nine o'clock at night. And so I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to tell me what to do. And, and this person's saying, I don't, I said, well, I will be there in the morning. And they said, well, I don't think I'll be alive in the morning. Well, what do you do with that? You know, <laughs> it makes you nervous. And so I'm, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to say something, tell me what to do. And sometimes when he doesn't say anything, that's what you do. You don't do anything yet because he's not telling you what to do. But he very quietly spoke in my spirit and he said, go in the morning. She'll be okay. She'll be fine. Go in the morning. And so it gave me the courage to say, I will be there in the morning. And I did and we did and everything worked out okay. And that person's in heaven today. So I'm just saying that the thing is, is when you're, in the spirit, and we'll see how Jesus uh, troubles his spirit over here when he gets there. When you're in the spirit, your emotions go limp. They have to go, they have to take a back seat. And you know, we are so trained to think that if we get emotional about something, that we, we care more. And actually, when you get into the realm of the spirit, you don't get into all those emotions so you can get a job done easier. And you don't, you care more by subduing your emotions so you can hear from the Holy Ghost. It's like calming the sea so you can hear, you know, so you can hear and, and it'll be quiet. And so that's what Jesus did. He waited until the Holy Spirit told him to go. Now, you know, his friends probably could have said, look at him. I thought he cared about Lazarus. He didn't even act like he cares. Well, he really cared because he contained himself. He, 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 um, this is what really when you see the, the wise and the foolish virgins in, in Matthew 25, the wise means they, they drew in their midriff. They drew in the middle ground, which is the mind. 
he subdued his mind and his emotions and he released himself to the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's why Lazarus came back to life. So he, he said um, uh, he abode two more days in the same place. And then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go on up to Ju Judea. And they said, you know, they're there. They're wanting to kill you. And Jesus uses that as a teaching opportunity. We'll just drop on down to verse 11. These things said he after that, he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of that sleep. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, then he'll do, he's doing good. But Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking of him taking a rest in sleep. And then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And um, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Sometimes it's, you know, I think of uh, sometimes when we think we've just got to talk to a certain person because they're the one that's going to help me with this. And, and then you can't get hold of that person. I got to talk to the pastor. I got to talk to my best friend. I got to talk to my prayer partner. And you can't get hold of that person and you end up having to handle it, but you and the Holy Ghost and yourselves. And he said, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there uh, to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And so he's, God is setting something up. And I believe, you know, today in today's world with what's going on with COVID-19, with Russia and Ukraine, with all these things that are happening around us, swirling around us, God is setting things up to, to, to do a grand display of his power. In fact, he just quickened me yesterday. I was listening to the news and they were just like one bad thing after another. This is where we're hurting as a country. One bad thing after another. And I just, I muted it. I just said, I don't want to listen to that anymore. And I just said, Lord, this is becoming overwhelming and uh, he just quickened me and reminded me of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where it says about Paul's thorn in the flesh that he, uh, he said, my power is more perfectly performed in your weakness. So when you hear the news and they're telling you about how bad our country is and how weak it is, just start thanking God that this is where the power of God's going to start demonstrating He's going to demonstrate his great power. I believe we're going to have a power show, you know, like the light shows that you have in the firecracker shows that you have at 4th of July. God's going to show up and show off and he's going to answer the prayers of his anointed ones. He, he is a covenant-minded God. He does not forget our covenants. And I believe Jesus was covenant-minded with Lazarus and he was, uh, he waited two more days. So maybe you're in the midst of those two more days. And you think God's not showing up. He's, he's there. Just like the sun's always shining. You might not see it, but it's shining. He's there. And I know those are a uh, little, uh, sometimes they get trite to say these cute little things, but it's true. They are true. And the truth is powerful. So just we hold on to the fact that we know that our God is a covenant-minded God and that we have Christ in our, in our lives and that he's going to honor his prayers. He's going to honor his promises. So he said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. And so Thomas decides, let's all go die with Jesus. So he had a real positive attitude, didn't he? And then when Jesus came, he found that he, he had uh, 
that Lazarus had laid in the grave for four days already. And now Bethany was uh, two days away, and he was two days before he went. So he's four days, and uh, I'm not, I don't, ha I don't know this for a fact, but I, I believe um, that I read somewhere that the, the Jewish people believed that if someone was in the grave four days, they were actually dead. But after three days, they could come back. So that might be one of the reasons. He said, so that you would believe. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you would believe. So that they're going to believe if he was gone for four days in the grave, then he was really dead. Otherwise, they would have said, well, he didn't really die. He just went into a deep coma and you thought he was dead. So um, he was really um, he was really dead. And they knew that because of the time frame there. And so... Uh, many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them. Here's another interesting thing in this story is that, you know, the, you have the story of Mary and Martha and, and Martha was all upset because she was busy serving everybody and Mary was meditating and listening to Jesus sitting at his feet. And she went to the Lord and said, don't you care that my sister won't help me? And he said, Martha, Martha, you worried about so many things, but Mary's chosen the best part. Remember that? Well, here, Mary's still meditating, and, and God starts working off on Martha's faith because Mary's still sitting and meditating in the house where Martha gets up and goes to Jesus because she tends to be a doer. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming and met him, but Mary sat in the house. <laughs> she stayed in the house. So he was working with Martha's faith this time. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus said unto her, Your brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I love this statement right here, and I don't, I don't claim to understand it. I, I desire to, to absorb this and to, to get a revelation of it. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Just that statement, I am the resurrection, really speaks to me. And um, But I don't know for sure what it's saying, <laughs> to be honest with you. I want to know more about what that, what that means. I want to have a greater revelation. Lord, open our eyes to the fact that you are the resurrection. And so... Um, he said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. Now, let's back up a little bit, because Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. I've cross-referenced that to Matthew 8, 8, where the centurion said, uh, uh, speak the word only, Lord, and my servant will be healed. So you can see the different faith levels here. Martha's saying, if you had been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. And the centurion said, just speak the word only, Lord. You don't have to be there. The, your word is powerful. And Jesus called that great faith. And so um, then she said, Martha said to him in verse 22 of John chapter 11, I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, he will give it thee. And uh, Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. And she said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she, she was not working, <coughs> excuse me, out of revelation. 
she was just working out of a, a, a certain level of faith, but not revelation faith. But I wanted to point out to you in verse 22, when she says, I know whatsoever you ask of God, uh, there's, there's different words for the word ask. In one word, ask, it's um, a lesser to a greater. In another word, ask, it's on equal level. One king to another or a subject to a, a lordship. So in this scripture, she's using the subject to a lordship. So it shows you that Martha did not have a revelation of who Jesus was as the Christ, the son of the living God. She did not have that revelation because she still saw him as a lesser asking a greater. She did not see him on equal footing with God the Father. And that just tells you where she was working from. And so, um, and of course, at this point in time, nobody had been born again. So you can't have that revelation going on inside of you. And yet Peter had the revelation that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. So um, just just showing you sometimes, you know, I'm just, just thinking now that she may have been working off of their friendship and not his, his, uh, not his ministry call, not his uh, spiritual call, not who he is by the spirit. She was working off of the natural man that she knew as a friend that sat at her table and she fed him at night and everything. That's who she was talking to. And yet here is God himself standing in her presence. You know, um, I might just, uh, stop with this because I want to make a point here. Um, in church life, uh, sometimes we forget that the office of the pastor is of the fivefold ministry gifts that Jesus gave as a gift to the church. And we kind of know that guy as Jack or <clears throat> Paul or Sam or whoever, whatever his name is. And maybe he's a real friendly guy and easy. You go out to dinner with him and stuff. But when he's in the pulpit, he's God's man. And uh, he is a gift from the Lord, or she is a gift from the Lord. And we, you know, I've, I've sat under with my husband and I pastoring a church at West Houston Christian Center for 30 years. And then uh, when he's in the pulpit, he's not my husband anymore. He's the pastor of the church. And now my son, we've stepped aside and my, my son and daughter-in-law have taken the place and they're not my son and daughter-in-law when they're in the pulpit. They are the pastors of the church. And so um, I think it's important. I think I, I see this is the first time I've seen this here, but that Martha was working with Jesus out of their familiarity. They had a familiar relationship. And I, I think, you know, now it's coming to me suddenly. <laughs> I think that in the days ahead, as the anointing, begins to increase in the church and God starts opening up more and more of the anointing to his people, I, I think we're going to have to be real careful how we treat each other uh, and not get too familiar. Always be aware that that person's caring. If, if you're dealing with a person that's faithful, has been born again, spirit-filled, and they're faithful in Christ, then uh, respect that. Always be respectful of that. We need to always be respectful because they may be carrying the very anointing that you're going to need someday to help you. Or you're going to need to help them with the anointing that you're carrying someday. 
And God's going to be functioning more and more out of that anointing that's coming up out of his people. And so um, we just need to pay attention to that, don't you think? Uh, I believe we do. And that's just dawned on me while we're doing this. Maybe that's part of I am the resurrection. What do you think? He said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, which should come into the world. And when he, when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master has come and called for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was there in was in that place where Martha met him. And the Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, she goes to the grave to weep. They, they did a great mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning time. Um, and I think we have uh, turned a lot of our funeral times, which is a precious in the sight of the Lord of the death of his saints, which means it's a valuable moment to God. We've loosed, we've turned that loose to the devil. You know, we've, we've let him put grief and sadness and sorrow rather than operating by the spirit. We've operated in our soulish realm and uh, let our emotions rule and reign rather than staying strong in our spirit. And that doesn't mean you don't grieve and cry. It doesn't. There's a, there's a proper place for that. But uh, we do have to be careful that we're not dishonoring God with it, you know, because you know what I get thrilled about whenever there's a death or, or I don't even like to use the term death. I like to say a crossing over uh, when it's a person that I know they're safely across the river there with the Lord. I always rejoice in our great salvation at a time like that. I mean, we're gonna they're gonna be in they're in our future, not in our past only. And we will see that person again. We have hope for the future with that person again. So I just want to encourage you, we will pick up here next time, but I just want to encourage you that if you've suffered a loss and you uh let let the Lord um fill that gap for you. He wants to be there for you. And if it was a person that you know is safely across the river, this was a precious moment, even if they if they weren't saved. It's a precious moment in the sight of God because it's a sadness. There's a person that didn't get to fulfill their destiny, and that always would be a sadness to God. So um, let's just pray and ask the Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, for anybody listening to my voice right now that's experienced that sorrow, the sadness of a lost loved one, I ask you to touch them right now in Jesus' name and release your anointing, Lord, upon them. And we praise you and thank you for that. Let comfort come where sorrow and sadness would be. And let your grace abound to them that they be sufficient in the midst of this trial. So we just praise you and thank you, Lord. And we thank you that when we believe, we shall see the glory. In Jesus' name.